Good morning, everybody. Uh, welcome here uh, to our, our recorded message here in Atlanta Baptist Church. And I got to admit, this is a little bit strange, uh, but I'm not going to focus on that this morning. I want to uh, uh, approach this with a heart of gratitude. Um, I'm so thankful this morning that uh, God has placed uh, people in our congregation and in our lives that are, that are able to, uh, to record our messages, that we can still have our time together in God's Word and, and not just record it, but do it at a high level. And uh, I'm, just, I'm just excited about that. Uh, I also want to encourage you uh, as the days go forward, um, this is not going to last forever. Uh, our deacon uh, this morning shared this passage of scripture with me, and I want to share it with you. Uh, it's found in Song of Songs, chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. And this really spoke to me this morning. It says this, See, the winter is past. The rains are over and gone. Flowers appear on the earth. The season of singing has come. The cooing of doves is heard in our land. The fig tree forms its early fruit. The blossoming vines spread their fragrance. You see, I'm choosing to look forward uh, to, to when all this is over, to when uh, we can all gather here in God's uh, house to worship together. We're going to have to do it in spirit now, but the day is coming where we will be able to do it together. And I'm looking forward to that. I want to encourage you uh, to, as our, our health care professionals and our, our leaders in government are, are trying to uh, lead us throughout all this, listen to them. They're not in this to, uh, to tear down God's church. They're not uh, in this uh, maliciously with these things they're advising us to do. Uh, they're doing it for our own health, for our own welfare. And I would encourage you to listen to them. You know, when Jesus uh, started preaching on the Sermon of the Mount in, um, on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, he said this, Blessed are the peacekeepers, for they will be children of God. You see, these people are trying to help us. God uh, has allowed them uh, by His sovereign authority to have the positions they have. Our healthcare people, God has given them the wisdom and the ability and placed them in places to help us. So I don't encourage you to listen to them. That way we can look forward to this day uh, that was described in Song of Songs, that day when we're all gathered back together here healthy and in the house of God. Having said that, uh, we're recording this morning. We're going to be recording in the weeks to come, but we've got something that we're really excited about, uh, that we're praying about. Uh, next week, we're going to try to have a drive-in service. Now, you're probably sitting there going, what in the world is that? Well, some of you younger, younger folks may not remember this, but there used to be what was called a drive-in theater where people would drive in, they would never get out of their cars, and they would watch a movie on a big screen while still in their cars. Well, we're going to have a, a church service very similar to that. We've got a piece of equipment ordered uh, that will transmit our microphone signals directly to an FM station in your car. So you can pull up. We're going to set up uh, on the porch of our education building. We're going to sing. We're going to preach. And we're going to worship together but you're going to stay in your car. And we're real excited about that. So hopefully we have uh, our parts in and we have it all set up and we can do that uh, next week. Uh, so we're, we're excited about that. 
Also, we're going to, we've been uh, going through uh, the book of Acts now for a little over a year. And uh, we only have a couple more chapters left in that. Uh, so we're going to try to have our Wednesday night Bible study recorded and available for you come Wednesday night as we conclude the book of Acts uh, and we go forward. Uh, I, I believe we're going uh, to start studying uh, Paul's letter to Timothy, both of those letters, and his letter to Titus. That's first. Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus when we conclude with Acts. But I just wanted to let y'all uh, know all of that information. And now to our message, and I'm excited about this message because God laid it on my heart uh, several weeks ago to preach this series. And for the last two weeks, uh, we've been recording our message and, and, and putting them up on uh, various digital outlets uh, as a podcast in a podcast format. And uh, this series of messages uh, involve uh, the accounts in the garden and the different gospel accounts of what transpired in the garden prior to Jesus' betrayal. And we got the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, and uh, the last couple of weeks we've gone through Matthew and have we gone through Mark. And what we're doing is we're exploring the similarities and the differences between the four gospel accounts of Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is after uh, they had the Last Supper in the upper room, and it's prior to his betrayal by Judas into the hands of the high priest. Now, we spoke briefly about the fact that the parts of each uh, account are identical. At the same time, uh, one account uh, might include a statement or an action or a posture that is completely unique to that account. Now, some critics might say, well, uh, you know, that, that's contradictory. That's, that, that's describing something uh, that didn't happen, but yet this one is saying uh, that it did. But that couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, what they do when we read them in conjunction with one another, when we read them all and we study them all, it gives us a harmonious big picture of what happened in that garden many, many years ago. And it begs a question, you know, people might ask, well, well why would God want it told that way? Why would he want it told uh, from this guy and this guy and this guy and this guy? Because he wants us to read all of his word. Not just bits and pieces of it. He wants us to read it all and he wants it ingrained in our hearts and in our minds. Because you see, that's what transforms us. The power of his word, the power of his Holy Spirit. When Paul wrote in uh, Romans chapter 12, he says, uh, Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the way we do that is filling it with God's word. Today we're going to look at Luke. The last couple of weeks we looked at Matthew and we looked at Mark. Today we're going to look at Luke. Now, uh, there is very little known about Luke uh, from history. There's nothing definite about his background. Uh, there is nothing uh, recorded concerning his conversion. And as he wrote, he, he almost never included uh, personal details about himself. But I kind of like that. 
You see, he focused on uh, uh, the, the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. He focused on his life. He focused, he focused on uh, the ministries of the apostles as he wrote. He didn't focus on himself. That's the way we all should be, not focused on ourselves. He was the author of the gospel uh, that we're going to read from that is named uh, for him. He is also the author of the book of Acts, which we've been studying on Wednesday nights. Now, the book of Hebrews, is uh, we really don't know who the author is of that. Uh, some have speculated it's Luke. I don't know. I do know that it is God's, God breathed. It's believed that he is a native of the city of Antioch. And that as we read through uh, the book of Acts, we see that he is a frequent companion of the Apostle Paul. There are the, the we statements in the book of Acts where Luke is saying, uh, using the word we as they were going through different events. Paul, uh, we just mentioned Paul. Paul uh, referred to Luke as a physician. Luke's a doctor. I always found that fascinating, and as we read his uh, gospel accounts, uh, that fact is evident in the, uh, the high profile that uh, Luke gives to Jesus' physical healing ministry. He goes into detail when he's describing uh, the physical nature of people's illnesses and, and their bodies. He's going to do that today in our text. You know, doctors back then, they didn't have uh, the terminology that our healthcare professionals use today. Uh, there's one in this sermon that I'm going to use, and I, I pray that I don't get tongue-tied and, and struggle as I mention it. But Luke did not have uh, those words back then. So as he's describing something, he's describing it very clearly, but he's using the language that we would use. So let's look at Dr. Luke's account of what transpired in that garden. I'm going to be in Luke chapter 22, and we're going to read, uh, begin reading in verse 39, and we're going to read down through verse 36. I'll give you just a minute if you're at home or wherever you're at uh, to find it. It's going to be Luke chapter 22, and we're going to begin reading in verse 39. It says this, Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And as he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. When he rose up from prayer and had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. He said to them, Why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. Would you pray with me, Father God? We're thankful for our time here together. Lord, in your word as we, we open it, uh, Father, we're thankful for it. 
God, I ask you in this moment, in this very hour, Father, that you would move me out of the way, Lord, that you would speak to everyone within earshot of this, Father, that you would fill my head with your wisdom and my mouth with your words, Lord, that you and you alone might be glorified by this time here together. For it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. As we looked at this, um, as we read this, uh, the first couple of verses there, verses 39 uh, and 40, uh, paint us a picture uh, of the setting that all of this is taking place uh, in. It says, as they were coming out, they went to the Mount of Olives. Now, I want to describe to you really quickly uh, what this looked like. Uh, they had just met in the upper room, and they had uh, uh, just partaken of the Last Supper. They were uh, celebrating the Passover, and they came out of the upper room, and they walked uh, short, uh, a short distance, and they walked out of the, uh, the city walls of Jerusalem. And immediately outside those walls, there is a valley. It's called the Kidron Valley. Now, uh, we get a picture in our mind of this big, broad expanse. But let me tell you, being a country boy from Louisiana, that Kidron Valley is just a draw. It's just a place where you would, uh, like you would have, you live on one hill and you cross the holler and your neighbor's on the other hill. Had a little creek running down through the middle of it. Now I'm giving you some country uh, boy uh, imagery right here, but that's a lot the way it is. They walked out of the city, uh, they crossed that Kidron Valley, and, and the next uh, hill up is called the Mount of Olives. It is uh, Mount Olivet. It is a dominating hill that looks down over the city of Jerusalem, and it's, it's covered with olives olive trees, and, and, and Jesus would often go uh, to this garden that separated uh, the two places, the Kidron Valley and the top of Mount Olivet. It's called the Garden of Gethsemane. And the Lord Jesus would go there often and would pray to his Father. You see, he could be alone. It was quiet. It was peaceful. You know, yesterday I had an experience. It was pouring down rain there at the house, and I went outside and sat on the front porch and got me a cup of coffee, and as the, wa as the rain is pouring off uh, the roof of the house and spattering on the ground, uh, it was just me and the Lord. And I began to speak with him and spend time with him. Well, Jesus would do that in the Garden of Gethsemane, and as they left that upper room, we're not talking about, but about a 10-minute walk to get where he was going. So he didn't go far. But it gives us a picture of what's going on. And in verse 40, it says, He came to the place, and it's referring to the Garden of Gethsemane, that garden that is located between that Kidron Valley and the top of the Mount of Olives. Now let's look in verse 41. It says, And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and he prayed. Notice that, knelt down. Down. We're seeing a posture of prayer. We're seeing a position of his body uh, that is different than that of Mark and Matthew's account that we've been studying these last two weeks. He knelt down. Now, critics may say, well, look, if Matthew and Mark, uh, they said he fell on his face, he fell on the ground, and, and here it's saying he's kneeling. Are they describing a couple of different things? Well, let me ask you this question. If you're going to get all the way down on the ground, all the way down and on your face, first you got to kneel down. 
And as you're getting up, guess what you got to do? You got to come to your knees before you can get all the way up. So we're seeing a timeline right here uh, of Jesus kneeling. He's kneeling before God and appealing to Him for mercy. When we kneel before Him, it is symbolic of the heart attitude we should have when making such a petition, one for mercy. Jesus is petitioning His Father right here to take this cup away. Kneeling reflects the attitude and the beatitude. You know, I mentioned before we got into the sermon right here uh, about the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus delivered the beatitudes. When we kneel, it is reflecting a beatitude here. Blessed are they that mourn the beatitude of mourning. You see, Jesus is mourning over sin. He is in a sorrowful mourning state as he was about to take on all of the filthiness and all of our brokenness. He's about to take on all of our sin. He was mourning over our sin. When we see people kneel all throughout uh, Scripture, we see it as a sign of earnest appeal. In 1 Kings chapter 8, King Solomon knelt and he asked God to bless the temple and the people of God. He knelt down and made an earnest appeal. In 1 Kings chapter 18, the prophet Elijah, he knelt on Mount Carmel with his head between his knees and he earnestly prayed to God to send rain. You see, I love that story. Uh, 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 the prophet Elijah, he goes up on top of Mount Carmel and, and having been blessed to be able to go up on Mount Carmel, it is a very dominating uh, mountain and you can see clear to the Mediterranean Sea. And as he was up there, knelt with his, his face between his knees, he began to pray to God to send rain and, and one of his servants was there and he looked out across there and he saw a cloud rising up out of the sea about the size of a man's hand. Prophet Elijah told him, he said, look, you need to go to King Ahab. Tell him to get his chariot. Get ready. Come on. And as that cloud rose up out of the sea, it began to get closer and closer to him, got bigger and bigger, and soon the clouds got dark, and it began to thunder and lightning and, and, and carry on. And, and the prophet Elijah, it says he run down, and he, he overtook Ahab in his chariot. And I, uh, being the nerd that I am, like in superheroes, I think about the flash. I mean, he had to be moving to overtake that chariot. I just thought that was funny. But we see Elijah uh, kneeling in prayer and earnestly appealing uh, to the Lord God. Kneeling is a sign of humility. The psalmist humbled himself before the Lord and encourages us to do the same thing. In Psalms chapter 95 and verse 6, he says this, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord. Our maker. When we look at the picture of the posture of Jesus right here, it gives us a picture of what's going on in his heart in this very moment in the garden. 
Look at verse 42. He says, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. This same verbal account of what Jesus prayed in previous Gospels. But I want you to look at what happens next in verse 43. He says this, Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. See, that's not in the other gospel accounts. What happens right here is the Father dispatches an angel to strengthen Jesus to minister to him. We see that same thing happen in Matthew chapter 4 after Jesus has been tempted by Satan. The author of Hebrews calls angels ministering spirits. In Daniel chapter 9, as as Daniel is praying, the Bible says that the command went out and Gabriel was dispatched to him. The command from the throne of God Almighty, the Father, dispatched an angel, a ministering spirit, to strengthen the Son, His Son, as He was in agony. But we're going to see that the angel is not enough. Why are you saying that, preacher? Let's read these two verses together. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. You see, even though he was ministered to by this angel, even though he was strengthened, he was still in agony. Friends, when we are brokenhearted, when we are sorrowful, when we are in spiritual agony, an angel cannot relieve it. It cannot mend your broken heart. It cannot break chains of addiction and depression. You see, those are real things that we deal with today that cause agony, that break our heart, that put us in spiritual agony. And an angel cannot relieve it. The book of Hebrews in chapter 1 and verse 13 asks the question. I want you to listen to this. To which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Brothers and sisters, try as I might as your pastor to encourage you and strengthen you. There is but one way to be relieved, to be set free. What did Jesus say in John chapter 14? I am the way. And it doesn't involve an angel. So it says he prayed more earnestly. Let's look at the rest of verse 44 here. It says this, it says, After uh, being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. You see, these details, uh, these facts about Jesus, did you hear that? These details, these facts, this happened. 
about Jesus in the garden are only recorded and related by Luke, a physician, Dr. Luke. You see, his reference to our Lord's uh, sweat being like great drops of blood suggests a dangerous medical condition known as... I'm going to try to say this right. This is one of those big uh, medical terms we use today. Hematidrosis. Well, what is that, preacher? Hematidrosis is the effusion or the giving off of blood in one's perspiration. Well, how in the world does that happen? Well, look, folks, we have little bitty capillaries, little tiny, tiny blood vessels, some of them so small, uh, a single uh, red blood cell uh, struggles to get through it. We have these tiny capillaries, and what happens is they, they dilate. In other words, they swell and they burst, and it mingles blood with sweat. You see, this condition, this hematidrosis is caused by extreme anguish or physical strain. You see, the Lord Jesus in the previous uh, two gospel accounts said that his distress had brought him to the threshold of death. Let's read these last two verses. It says, When he rose up from prayer and he had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow, and he said to them, Why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. You know, those similar things were uh, discussed, were brought out in the previous two gospel accounts is uh, the fact that the disciples couldn't stay awake. In the hour that the Lord needed uh, them to be praying, not only for Him, but praying for their own uh, strengthening, they slept. So what do we take away from Dr. Luke's account as we have read here uh, this morning? What is the Lord telling us through the pen of Luke? And I believe it is this. He is reminding us of the physically and spiritually crushing burden of sin. It is reminding us of the destructive power of God's wrath towards it. But preacher Jesus was sinless. He was perfect. Not only was he sinless and perfect, he still is sinless and perfect. But at this moment, as we're reading this, at this moment in time, he's beginning to feel the weight of the sin, of the rebellion of humanity being pressed down upon his shoulders. He is feeling the anticipation of God's wrath directed towards our wickedness, soon to be directed solely on Him. You see, Jesus wasn't fearful of the physical pain that the beating and the scourging and the crucifixion would bring. 
he wasn't fearful of dying. But he knew the weight of the sin burden he was about to bear. And he knew the destructive force of his father's wrath that he was about to endure. You see, this is what happened on the cross. It's what is beginning to happen right here. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ became sin. And God utterly destroyed him on the cross. He destroyed him in our place. The cross was intended for us. You see, that's why he was sorrowful here in the garden to the point of death. That is why he was sweating blood as he prayed. He was thinking about us. Would you pray with me? Lord, we are so thankful, Father, for our time here together this morning, Lord, as we've opened your word and read of yet another gospel account. Lord, an account of your son in the garden. Lord, and we understand the burden of our sin that was placed upon him. It was nailed to a cross. God, this is the only way that we could be reconciled back to you. This is the only way that we could be forgiven. Lord, we are eternally thankful for that. Father, we're thankful this morning that the tomb he was placed in when his body was destroyed, Father. We're thankful that that tomb is empty, Father, as he was raised from the dead, Lord. Lord, to give us hope above and beyond all the sicknesses of this world. Lord, above and beyond this virus that is ravaging our land, Lord, we're trusting you. God, when the children of Israel were faced with the plague of the angel of death, Lord, what were they told to do, Father, but to stay home and put the blood on the doorposts? God, we're trusting that blood this morning. Lord, that same blood that was shed on Calvary. God, I ask, Lord, that if there be anyone that is hearing this this morning, Father, that if they don't know you, Lord, this morning they've been made to realize that they are a sinner. Lord, that it was their sin that was placed on the shoulders of Jesus. Lord, that you would draw them with your Holy Spirit to the place of repentance. God, we love you. We thank you. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to thank everybody for uh, tuning in to our, um, our videos uh, that we're recording of our sermons. Uh, this is all new to me, so if I act a little crazy, that's all right. <laughs> uh, but I want to encourage you that if, you're, uh, if you've been listening and you feel something tugging at your heart, something revealing to you that, you know, hey, maybe I am a sinner. I want to let you know that there's ways you can get in touch with us, that you can, uh, you can call someone, uh, you can uh, email, uh, message us, and a few of those ways are like this. 
Uh, our church office phone number is 318-628-3035. You can also communicate with us through our uh, Atlanta Baptist Church Facebook page as well as our website, uh, atlantabaptistchurch.com. Uh, and feel free to email us at atlantabaptistchurchyouth at gmail.com. Uh, we'd love to talk with you. We'd love to communicate with you. Uh, we'd love to pray with you. If you have any prayer requests, you can send those to any of those um, uh, locations. Um, also, our church address uh, for those of you that uh, the Lord, maybe, maybe the Lord is laying it on your heart to give to our church. Uh, I don't know that, uh, but I want you to uh, have the ability to do that if the Lord is leading you in that way. And uh, our church address is 12137 Main Street, Atlanta, Louisiana, 71404. Our sermons are available on uh, YouTube, uh, Spotify, and podcast format, and also on Facebook. So tune in in the next a uh, few days and weeks and for however long and uh, check us out on there. We love you. We're praying for you during this difficult time and uh, we want to be here for you in any way possible. We love you. God bless you.